Autobots Transform. Well, hey, welcome back to the Transformers Nitpickers Podcast Show. I'm Paul. I'm here. And today is episode 19 of Transformers Cybertron. It is ice. This episode was written by Gyo Yamatoya, and the last time on Transformers Cybertron, we finally finished the Velocitron story. And in this episode... <laughs> Yeah, we're at the Autobot base, and it's a beautiful summer day outside, sunshine and birds chirping. And Optimus says some crazy unnatural things are happening at the North Pole because of activating the Cyber Planet key last time. When we last left the Autobots, they had found three signals, and these are the three signals Optimus is talking about, and they're all around the North Pole. And he's like, there's, oh boy, yeah, the dumbness does start right away. He's like, there's unknown uh, environmental disasters or conditions going on. And they show a picture of the Aurora Borealis, which is well known and incredibly regular. (laughs) And it's a perfectly natural thing. There's there's nothing abnormal about the Northern Lights. And also he says, this is the North Pole. And then it immediately zooms in on Alaska, which is 15 degrees latitude south of the North Pole. Yeah, this whole episode, I think the closest thing we get to an actual fact in this episode is that Fairbanks, Alaska is a real place. That's around <laughs> it. That is a real place. Yep, we fact check that. It is actually there. <laughs> we had the team on it. But okay, so everybody launches while Lori, uh, there's like Lori explains that the magnetic north and uh, geographic north are two different things and that the magnetic north moves around, which never comes into play in this episode. No. And then uh, Jetfire has to explain what the northern lights are, which is okay that he had to explain it, but also it's not an environmental disaster. But yeah, they go through the whole launch sequence with all the ramps and doors and things, and, and they're talking over this the whole time, explaining all this. And uh, one of the things Optimus warns them about is moisture. If they get moist, they'll freeze up there. Now, this is the closest thing we have to a setup with a payoff, kind of, later on. The moisture's not going to be in effect, but somebody's going to freeze. But uh, here's something nice I will say. At least they put exposition, no matter how stupid and unnecessary it was, against the launch sequence instead of us just watching the same one with the same music again they're trying to dump information on us and, uh, one of the other things i think optimus says just very quickly says our team will need a portal to, to get there so i guess that's going to explain how they get to alaska in very short amount of time well no it doesn't because then we cut to them on the road driving to <laughs> fucking alaska and they're, they're like oh it's gonna be a long drive something 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 anyway they split up i think Jetfire goes one way the others it, it doesn't matter who goes with who because we're gonna be stuck with the kids for this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, because Jetfire says something about uh, that magnetic whatchamacallit. That's what he calls it. Even though I think it was just him that just explained the Aurora Borealis. Yes, it's, it like, it's messing up our scanners, so we'll have to look for whatever it is we're looking for that we don't know what we're looking for visually. But yeah, they're, uh, they're well on their way to the North Pole, even though the map showed them Alaska. And Lori points out, now that they're on their way there, that they aren't wearing clothes suitable for cold weather, but luckily, even though they were just in what looked like a desert canyon, they're now on a snowy tree-lined road and coming into Fairbanks because they're in Alaska already. Another thing I kind of liked was that Bud was focused on finding Santa for quite a bit of this, which is, you know, they they play the eight-year-old the right way, but um, yeah, Lori has her emergency credit card, so she's going to buy them parkas. Actually, none of this matters, 
because, well, we'll get to it. Um, they go to Fairbanks, Alaska, and they are seen running into a store by Dr. Lucy Suzuki. And they run in, and they're just all shivering because it's cold outside. And Professor Suzuki recognizes Bud and Lori, and they're like, oh, hey, Prof. And I think Kobe's like, Prof? And he's like, oh, yeah, this is Dr. Suzuki. She's cool. They don't just say that. Bud almost spills the beans, which he does 87 times <laughs> yes. in this goddamn episode. And even but, Lori almost does it a, a little bit, too. But she's she's like, hey, you're cold. Let me get you some Parkers. Never once questions where their parents are. Yeah. It, well, in fact, it, she even later says, I'm going to need your parents' permission for something. But yeah, why aren't they here would be a good question. Yeah, she says that before she takes them all to a hot tub. <laughs> it, we're going to get into it, but this woman raises so many red flags. Oh, yeah. But uh, there's a very quick bit of Jetfire complaining about flying in the falling snow. So he transforms and lands to keep searching. And when he does, the snow stops falling. So uh, good thinking there, Jetfire. But that's, that, that happens easy. to us all, right? If you don't take your umbrella with you, it's going to rain. When, yeah. <laughs> when you wear your sunglasses, it's always overcast, right? I can relate. Anyway, we, we got to cut to the kids who all have uh, new matching parkas. Which yep, Dr. very tasteful. <laughs> Dr. Suzuki bought because apparently the store doesn't take credit in 2005 in a town of 30,000 fucking people. <laughs> no credit cards. But uh, which means Professor Suzuki had enough cash to buy, you know, three fucking parkas in Fairbanks. Like, things are a lot more expensive the farther north you go, kids. <laughs> okay, red flag number one, doesn't care where their parents are. Red flag number two, she is alone in an SUV in a remote part of the country with a lot of cash on her. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, then she tells the kids she has to excuse me for a minute while I called child services because your parents sent them to <laughs> Alaska unprepared, not a company, but uh, no, I think you raised a few more red flags that, that I didn't pick up on. Oh, that's all I did from here on out. Um, it, so they're, they're going to have pancakes, and um, when she's like, she actually says, no, I actually won't make your parents pay me back as long as you promise to do a nice thing for somebody else. Yeah, and pay Bud it forward and kind like, of Sure. And, and Kobe's sitting there going, hmm, I don't know. Hmm, doing nice things. Eh, fuck other people. But uh, they have their pancakes, and now we're on the road again, and uh, Lori asks, why Professor Suzuki is at the North Pole, even though they're in Fairbanks, not the North Pole. And Professor Suzuki says, we're in Alaska, you dumb kid. The North Pole is 700 <laughs> miles from here. No, I'm just kidding. But she's here to investigate unnatural phenomena, which is why the kids are here too, Bud starts, but his brother shuts him up. Yeah, yeah. He, again, he's, he all, I, this kid is just a liability. I don't know why they take him with him. Then Dr. Suzuki starts going off about the hollow earth theory, red flag uh, number three. Yep, and she explains what that is, and she admits it's a far-fetched idea, but if it really does exist, because you can't rule that out, except yes, you fucking can, uh, that it almost certainly would be artificial, and it would be the work of extraterrestrials. This woman is not a scientist. She's not a scientist. That's the only way I can describe it. But um, then Lori asks Dr. Suzuki the same thing she asked her dad way back when, hey, if you met an alien, what would you do? And Dr. Suzuki's seems like she wants to say something else, but her response is, I'd like, you know, greet them cordially, say, hey, how you doing? Welcome to Earth. Well, yeah, because she very quickly looks in the rearview mirror at the two kids in the back seat and then over at Lori, and they're all kind of looking at her, waiting to see what she's going to say. But yeah, she's like, oh, I just welcome to Earth. And then following them from a distance are the minicons. We just see them. But uh, now it is her turn to ask. Remember that guy in Dragon Age? No. But uh, it is her turn to ask a question, and she thinks she shall. Like, but uh, she asks them what they're doing here, and the music that starts sounds like uh, 
It sounds like Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. It starts up like the day, 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 the piano. And uh, Bud says it's complicated why they're here. Yeah, this was red flag number four for me. Because she says, hey, why are you here? She's apparently, no, she hasn't talked to their parents yet. But she's going to, I guess, at some point. But she says, why are you here? And when the kids don't answer, she's like, okay, fine, keep your secrets. Okay, lady, you are now traveling alone with three minors who you are the legal guardian of none of them and a bunch (laughs) of cash. And you're not asking what they're doing. And you're not really telling them what you're doing. Like, this is Red Flag City. (laughs) Well, she does say, uh, all right, I'm going to, you know, call your parents when we get back to town. And then I'll send you back home. But the kids insist on staying with her. And she agrees, and commercial break. And when we come back, we're on Jungle Planet, which Vector Prime now calls Beast Planet, which I'm going to call Beastie Boy Planet. (laughs) But yes, they arrive through a portal, and Scourge and Megatron see them come through, and they're immediately attacked, and Optimus even says, well, that didn't take long, (laughs) and it's Ransack and Crumple Zone. Yeah, they've got a couple lines. Um, Ransack's calling Crumple Zone CZ again, which I I do like. Uh, And then Optimus and Leo Breaker, they combine. Yep, even though it's three of the largest Autobots against two essentially harmless comic (laughs) relief Pinheads, they they form <laughs> Savage Colombo and just lay ransack out. Oh, it's so well, yeah, unsurprisingly. Anyway, we go uh, back to Doctor Suzuki, who has now taken these three kids, who she does not really know. Apparently, bought them swim trunks and swimsuits <laughs> because they're in a spa in an outdoor spa, just hanging around. You know. Like how adults hang out in spas with kids they don't know. <laughs> well, what the fuck? Anyway, this is officially red flag number six, oh, I think. I just wrote it down that Lori didn't bring a bathing suit to the beach that time, but she did bring one to Alaska because, yeah, she and the professor are in the hot spring. And then the professor says something about how it's nice to get a break from other scientists because scientists can be dumb. Red flag number seven. She tells Lori <laughs> that what, what we really need is fresh new ideas and minds like yours and not stodgy old scientists. No, lady, you do not need to replace learned academia with 10-year-old children. What an idiot. Anyway, Red Flag 7. That are willing to test everything with, like, the, the most, until it has, like, the most rigorous, you know, testing to find all the evidence and everything else. We just need good ideas. Yeah, anyway. you no, know, you, you need research. What you do, you need boots in the field. That's how scientists, wor- or science works. You need research. Anyway, uh, apparently she has already called their parents because she talked about how she ha- they have... She has their permission, and there's that bit with this woman's an idiot. (laughs) But now with the boys, at least it's a separate pool, I guess. These two are just in their own little hot spring. Kobe wonders the you know the same thing if they oh uh, Lori just wonders to herself before this if she can trust Doctor Suzuki telling her about the Autobots. But yeah, now the boys, Kobe's wondering the same thing. Like, can we actually trust her? She seems to know too much already. He's wondering. I had to write it down. This professor, why does she know so much of the truth? Dude, she told you she's out here doing research on artifacts (laughs) that are from fucking Cybertron. Red flag one for Kobe. (laughs) And uh, back with other things from Cybertron, back on, uh, I guess, Beast Planet. Beastie Beastie Boy Boy Planet. (laughs) Optimus, yeah, he lays Ransack out and tells Crumple Zone that, uh, you know, running away is an option. You don't have to stand here and get your eyes kicked. But Crumple Zone takes a run at him anyway, and Optimus just smashes him when it boots him across the field. Yeah, there was that moment where Crumple Zone, like, runs into Optimus to tackle him, and Optimus just doesn't move. It was pretty good. <laughs> uh, so we go back to Dr. Kooky. Um, they reach the destination, wherever it was. She starts setting up her gear, and Kobe 
pulls Lori aside and he's like, we have to ditch her. She's getting really close to figuring out the truth. Yeah, but Lori thinks they can trust her and so does Bud. And uh, they tell the professor about the Autobots and she has no more questions. And this is the best thing ever. She's always wanted to meet an alien. And she thinks the things that she found that she showed him that time in her lab must have come from Cybertron. Yeah, she's, oh, she dives into this way too easily. However, I do have to go back for a sec because Lori said something to uh, Kobe, which pissed me off. She's like, she's an adult, but she's the right kind of adult because she believes in aliens, which like more than half of Americans believe in, in the existence of aliens. This, oh, this episode. So yeah, she goes up to Dr. Suzuki. He's like, we have a secret. Tells her about the Autobots in detail. And Dr. Suzuki believes this without any proof. Mm -hmm. It's the best thing that ever happened. This is exactly but... what a scientist would do. Believe the hearsay of children as actual fact. <laughs> yes. I don't need evidence because, you know, well, it's just like she said to Lori, I think, you know, your childlike ideas are just exactly what we need. <laughs> I, I think you're childlike, Dr. Suzuki. <laughs> But then something comes out of the sky and blows up their Humvee, and it's Starscream and Mudflap, and Mudflap figures Starscream thought the truck was an Autobot. Yeah, he he didn't. He's like, oh, those kids are around here. Now, where are those kids? And I'm like, they're, they're 10 feet from the car you just blew up. But <laughs> yes. Starscream and Mudflap fly down to confront the kids, and Starscream just wants, he's like, where is it? Tell me. We're just buying time until Scattershot shows up. Yep, he wants some answers. He's not known for his patience, but yeah, sure enough, they hear something approaching, and here comes Scattershot. He transforms and tells Starscream there's more to him than meets the eye, and it looks like he, he's squaring off with Mudflap here. They're kind of like, you know, sizing each other up, but he's actually just trying to lure them away from the humans. It was kind of a neat idea. Yeah, it felt like Mudflap was kind of trying to strafe around to like, you know, just get you know, yeah, because Starscream's uh, still between them. Exactly, exactly. So, and and then you know, Scattershot picked up on that, starts moving, and he actually does think like, get, just get away from the kids, get away from the kids. I did kind of like that. Um, Very Autobot of him. Yeah, and then he transforms and like slams into Mudflap. He actually handles himself okay in this situation for a while, but uh, he knocks Mudflap's gun out of his hand. Yep, and it just lands on the ice. I guess that's their version of Skula. There's a. <laughs> Very, very <laughs> esoteric reference for you there, kids. But uh, yeah, then Starscream throws a water balloon or some kind of a ball that explodes. It looks like into a blue Pokeball. Yeah, it explodes into this shower of rain that falls in Scattershot and immediately freezes him solid. Yeah, and this was that kind of setup Optimus had earlier of don't let moisture get in. You didn't need it, but at least it's, it's something. So Lori's like, we have to do something, and doing something apparently entails calling for help. Yep, it calls for the Minicons who were just hiding over the hill. Like, yeah, we're here, we're here Yeah, behind a snowbank! And I think the professor's like, but they're so small. <laughs> they're they're as big as you. Whatever. Uh, so the minicons and the kids, they run to Mudflap's fallen gun. They, they start to lift it up and point it up. Mudflap sees it and Starscream's like, ah, whatever. I, I insist on ignoring that. Yeah. And then the kids Don't worry about the flesh creatures, I think he says. They can't do anything. But it's like... They have a gun, dude, that yes. could hurt you. Whatever. They fire it straight up in the air. Yeah, they're just going to use it as a signal flare, I guess. And uh, now here come the rest of the Autobots. I guess they weren't that far away either. Yeah, and... I was going to say, they're there within about four seconds. Well, and uh, Starscream Man had a line before that, something about how like, enjoy this. It's going to be the last thing you see. And then Scattershot says that to Starscream, like, enjoy the view. It's going to be the last thing you see as these Autobots coming. The block of wood was trying, but clearly drunk. Um... <laughs> So the the, uh, the the Autobots show up. The, oh, Starscream did have a line here. Mudflap's like, what do we do? Starscream says, I'm going to act like a true leader. Tactical retreat. 
and flies away. Yep, he goes totally G1 right there. Even the voice in in the show actually kind of came a little bit close to, to G1 Starscream. So then Red Alert picks up Mudflap's pistol and he's like, here's the gun, but where is everyone else? Still don't know why I'm Australian. And, <laughs> and uh, like, seriously, where are the kids? Like, they were just here a second ago. It's a big, wide area. There's no cover they could run behind. Where the fuck are they? Well, it, it kind of switches out a bit, and I think you see the other Autobots standing on top of a cliff, and the humans in Scattershot are down below that, which, okay, why are they down there now? It doesn't really matter. Paul, but Paul, yeah, Paul, Paul, don't make excuses for this fucking episode. Few things don't add up in this one. Let's start at the start. The established shot of the Autobot base is the Bob Ross painting of the lake with trees full of leaves, which in Colorado means it's summertime or shortly before or after. So it's not winter in Colorado, that's my point. Then they say that the coordinates point to the North Pole when they clearly show a location in Alaska, and although there is indeed a town called North Pole in Alaska, and it's actually near Fairbanks, it is neither the magnetic nor true North Pole of the Earth. By the way, they go to Alaska but keep calling it the North Pole. Then the kids, who are from a state where it gets cold enough to snow in winter, come into the store freezing their asses off, which would be fine if it were winter in Fairbanks, which it shouldn't be because it wasn't in Colorado. Colder, absolutely, but not winter. Same hemisphere, same season. That's how it works. I don't make the rules. Which might explain why they left without bringing winter clothes with them, and they own winter clothes. It doesn't get that cold in Fairbanks in the summer anyway, like mid-60s Fahrenheit apparently. Certainly not so cold that kids from Colorado would make such a big deal about it, although I think I'd at least have packed a pair of long slacks if I were going to Alaska. Except there's snow on the ground and in the air here, and these kids are freezing their asses off, so it's not summer. Except it's light outside for most of this episode, so it can't be winter that far north because it'd be dark most of the time. But it wasn't winter in Colorado, and now we're going in circles. If this were the South Pole, everything would have made sense. It could be dark there, it could be cold there, warm in the north. Here we are at the end of another episode of the Transformers Epic Podcast Show. This episode was Ice Ice Baby. Doom 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 vanilla. Ripping off Queen. Doom, Didn't doom, he doom, do doom, 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 kind doom. of a heavier version of that, much like in the late 90s? I, I don't know, but I do remember him like going into like really bad new metal. I look, I remember, I'm gonna say uh, this. I think that's what it was actually. It was new metal. Yeah. I like uh, liked new metal, and I I haven't gone back and listened to much of it. But in its day, I was big into Corn, a little into Limp Bizkit. I remember like an orgy and a lot of those bands. I I I remember hearing a bit of Vanilla Isis or Rob Van Winkle. I think is his name. Um, yeah, something like that. But I remember hearing a bit of it and like, nope. <laughs> Not for you. It was bad. Uh, do you know what else wasn't for me, Paul? This fucking episode. <laughs> it was uh, It was a lot of kids and not a whole lot of Transformers and very little Transforming, actually. Just, uh, I think Starscream, Mudflap, and Scattershot, I think, are the only ones we actually see transform. It was very little of anything. It was like, they, yeah, the kids met Dr. Suzuki. They sat in a car or sat and they like, they sat here, they sat there, they sat in the outside, they sat in a box, they talked, nothing happened. And like, there was never any challenge. Nobody had to prove, I have to show you the Autobots exist, or I have to, you have to do something to convince us we should tell you. It was just like, hey, everything's perfect. Let's, let's share. Or, or even like the action, if you could call it that, the fights, like Optimus and Leo Breaker combined versus Ransack and Crumple Zone. Like, yeah. that's as one sided as it gets. Yeah. But, yeah. That's, uh, that's Andre the giant fighting me yeah not a good episode i like probably one of my least favorites so far 
Which is why this is going to be like a 20-minute fucking episode, because yeah, we always, always have more to talk about like we don't like yeah. them. Oh, well. Uh, hey, dear listener, if you want to hear us talk more, uh, you could wait to the next episode, which is Honor. Uh, or you can email the show at transformersnitpickers at gmail.com. Yeah, make sure you rate and review us in your podcast app, whatever it is you listen to your new metal with, and whatever you listen to us with, and tell all your friends, tell everybody you know. You can tell them they can find old episodes of the Transformers Nitpickers podcast show at transformersnitpickers.podbean.com. And until the next episode, um, God the life! I can't remember any old court songs. All <laughs> day I dream about fucking. <laughs> See you later. Moist.